all across America and around the world. This is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. Welcome to Veterans Radio. I am Jim Fawson. I'm the officer of the deck today. We've got some great programs for you. I think you'll find very interesting. We always want to remind you, you can find more about Veterans Radio at its Facebook site or by going to veteransradio.net where we're on the web 24-7. You can find a lot of our podcasts there as well. We post new ones every Tuesday, so you can get a new story, a new interview, something you didn't know before by going to veteransradio.net. And before we get started, we want to thank our sponsors. First up, we want to thank National Veteran Business Development Council, nvbdc.org. It was established to certify both service-disabled and veteran-owned businesses. You'll find out how they can help your business by going to nvbdc.org. We want to thank Legal Help for Veterans. Legal Help for Veterans fights for veterans' disability rights all across the nation. You can reach them at 800-693-4800 or on the web at legalhelpforveterans.com. We want to welcome to Veterans Radio Representative Alyssa Slotkin. She's a congresswoman from Michigan's 8th Congressional District. Representative, welcome to Veterans Radio. Thanks for having me. Well, we're really excited to have you on to talk about an issue that is coming up in the future, if you will, but we're going we're gonna to connect some dots. We're going to talk about PFAS contamination and but we're going to connect some dots because military service does expose folks to a lot of toxic materials. And Congress has been kind of uh, moving the ball along as it did in Camp Lejeune water exposure and now PACT Act and burn pit exposure. And we're going to talk about that maybe PFAS exposures going to be a the next thing that has to be addressed. But first, I guess I'd like you to talk a little bit about your well let me set this up so you don't have to do it yourself your investment in these issues is real and that's because you served with the cia in overseas in iraq you're you're married to um, a retired army colonel who served 30 years as an apache helicopter pilot you have a stepdaughter who's an army officer and one who's a physician interesting conversations around the table i'm sure and I understand that you and your husband met uh, in Baghdad during the Iraq War. So this isn't just a political issue for you. you your family's invested in this issue, isn't it? Yeah, we're, we're a military family. And I, I think um, the issue of toxic exposure, um, you know, if you've served abroad in a war zone, um, certainly you, you know that you were exposed to lots of things. You felt it, you smelt it, you, you experienced it. Um, and I think, you know, frankly, between that and then being a Michigander, where we've had such problems with our water, particularly, you know, lead in our water, it just led me to um, just really focus on these issues when I became a member of Congress in 2019. And you represent uh, an 8th Congressional District, which is uh, Ingham County, uh, Livingston County, and northern portion of Oakland County. None, none of those locations really have military bases, but this is a bigger issue, isn't it? 
Yeah. I mean, they don't have military bases, um, but we have, first of all, a ton of veterans who live in our community and who were exposed to various things in various portions of their career. We also have um, commercial PFAS problems. We have contaminated water, contaminated soil in a number of sites throughout the district. Um, and, you know, the one thing about Michigan is water is part of our, our identity, right? And I think we are looking harder than most states for those those chemicals in our water, in our ground soil, and we're finding them. And uh, so it's, it's just an issue that is kind of never far from the the you know front page on our in our office because it, it whether it's commercial or military it's just real here yeah and and for those who are thinking well i you know skipped chemistry class in high school what the heck is pfas oh this is not a chemistry test we're not trying to uh train anybody up here on all the different types of pfas or pfoa compounds that exist but they're man-made chemicals that had a particular use um, for a number of applications that uh, at the time everybody thought was wonderful, um, such as firefighting foam, and many of us in the military either trained or used firefighting foam to extinguish uh, petroleum-based fires, whether they be on the flight line or on ships. Uh, But we also, uh, this PFAS, PFOA compounds uh, are the water repellent compounds that were put into fabrics and all kinds of different things. So there was a point, uh, I think the DOD began using this firefighting foam in the 1970s. So this is a 30, 50 year old problem that we're now beginning to focus on. So no more chemistry on uh, PFAS and PFOA. But but Representative, um, you were in support of the, the bills dealing with Camp Lejeune Water, with the PACT Act. And those bills kind of um, nudge or authorize the VA to deal with uh, certain health care issues and compensation issues. Talk to us about Congress's role here in trying to make sure that veterans who got exposed to things uh, are, are taken care of. Yeah, well, my closest involvement was on the PACT Act, uh, where myself and Representative Peter Meyer from the Grand Rapids area co-sponsored the bipartisan burn pit legislation, right? These burn pits that that every veteran who served in a war zone, certainly from the Persian Gulf War on, um, were exposed to. We burn all of our trash, as, as everyone knows. We burn everything, plastic. We often use jet fuel to start the burn pit. I mean, just a, a lot of, uh, you know, bad stuff in the air. Um, we co-sponsored that legislation, which eventually was taken up by the PACT Act um, and passed, and I think the, the, the thing that we all had in mind as we were putting forward this legislation is what the Vietnam generation went through, the Agent Orange generation, right? The veterans of Vietnam who got exposed to Agent Orange and who for the better part of 30 years had to fight for recognition from the VA that that Agent Orange exposure led to the health problems they were struggling with. And we made a concerted effort to say, we're not gonna let the Persian Gulf era and the 9-11 era veterans um, go through that same, you know, laborious process. Um, So we put together our legislation. I'm on the Veterans Affairs Committee along with the Armed Services Committee. So being on the VA committee, you you get to push your agenda uh, pretty hard, which we we did. And um, I think the key thing that um, people need to understand as we, you know, then go on to talk about PFAS is you have to have scientific studies that can connect 
the exposure, let's say to burn pits or Agent Orange, or now maybe to PFAS, to specific health problems that veterans are experiencing. With burn pits, with, with certainly with Agent Orange, you could easily do that. Um, it took too long to get those studies done, but the VA wouldn't move and Congress wouldn't move without those studies. With burn pit legislation, um, you know, I think people had gotten hip to this process and there had been scientific studies that could credibly and reliably link 23 different conditions to burn pit exposure. Everything from late uh, adult onset asthma to sinusitis to kidney problems. Um, and you'll see in our legislation that those 23 conditions are the ones that the VA now has to train for and it now has to say, look, if you've got one of those conditions, the presumption is if you served in a combat zone that you got it from burn pit exposure. So the the lesson there for me was you need scientific studies, preferably funded by uh, the federal government to move it along. Um, and that's basically the process we've been trying to, to follow on PFAS, you know, making sure the science is there to understand people who handled that firefighting foam, what did that exposure end up resulting in, um, in a scientific provable way. And I think that's what gets lost maybe in the general public is all that extra work on the, on the research and medical side before Congress can authorize VA to move in a certain direction. It, it takes time and scientific study, and there's a lot of frustration, but, but you're right. You know, you learn the lessons from Agent Orange and say, okay, well, we, we've got to prompt this along a little bit. And, and you helped prompt this along by getting some funding in the National Defense Authorization Act uh, a couple of years ago. Tell, tell us how that, again, kind of advances the ball. Yeah. So, you know, folks may not know that the, the way that the U.S. military is funded is through the National Defense Authorization Act. It's a big bill, you know, um, that passes every year because it has things like military salaries in it and funding for our weapon systems, our bases, housing, et cetera, et cetera. It's, you know, even in a fractious time in Washington, that NDAA passes every year. So it is in a very, it's become a very important vehicle to legislate. And starting, you know, from 2019, when I first got on the the committee, um, I started pushing this issue of PFAS and making sure that there's more accountability, particularly around our military bases. A lot of our military bases, not only do they expose veterans, by the way, but the communities that live around the bases also have very high levels of PFAS uh, oftentimes. And we see that in Michigan in places like Oscoda. Um, so we've passed a bunch of amendments, um, uh, everything from making sure we're doing PFAS testing at DOD, um, uh, sorry, National Guard installations, um, placing moratoriums on incinerating that firefighting foam, right? Like, let's let's not make things worse. But then also um, requiring, uh, first of all, the Pentagon to notify Congress of all releases of PFAS foam. Um, and then doing things to incentivize, as you say, the research. So the idea we had was creating a prize program to incentivize development of these, of like non-PFAS firefighting foams. How do we wean ourselves off of these materials? Um, and then putting money into the NDAA to research not only just alternatives, but just the, the science of the, of the you know, uh, illnesses that our veterans were getting from PFAS. So we put all of that in over multiple years. 
did a bunch of other things related to PFAS and we're, we're helping to establish that record of science um, that, and then in the meantime, figuring out a way to wean ourselves off. I mean, there are, <laughs> there are research institutions that are studying, you know, alternatives to PFAS foam in the form of shaving cream. I mean, you know, what <laughs> other things can we do? I'm not saying that's going to be the answer. I just think um, it's hard to go to the military. Same thing with our firefighters, right? And say, you need to wean yourself off this toxic stuff. But by the way, now we don't have an alternative for you. Yeah. And, and, um, and, so and I think that all that. I think I've read that the Navy is still using and is allowed to use for a few more years. P- yeah, PFAS and ships, yeah. uh, the firefighting yeah. phones, because they say it's the it's the best thing. And if anybody who's been on ship, as I have, your biggest fear is a fire on the ship because you're there's no place to go, and exactly. and so, so th- the Navy's concerned about that. So there's got to be research to say well, what's what's going to replace it. Exactly, and we wrote that legislation that gave the the Navy special dispensation because of those, you know, the the exact circumstance you're talking about. You have to you have to live in the world of reality when you're doing this, right? You can't just say, uh, you know, I'm in Washington and we need to cut off all foam without it, you know, surviving the actual use um, that you you need it for. Uh, so, you know, we're I'm I'm trying to manage both sort of understanding very well from being at the Pentagon, being an assistant secretary of defense, knowing the needs of the military with also now being a representative that represents a, a lot of people, a lot of veterans who are complaining about health risks due to PFAS exposure. Yeah, and I think uh, we're, we're talking to uh, Congresswoman Elisa Slatkin from the Michigan 8th Congressional District, who's been instrumental in advancing some of these toxic exposure issues. And we're focusing today pr- primarily on the PFAS contamination and trying to understand the background work that's going on, which may ultimately lead somewhere as it relates to um, some legislation as, uh, for health care services and disability services from the VA. But, but th- you know, this is not a particularly, uh, allow me to use the word, sexy issue. Uh, burn pits overseas fighting terrorists. Cool, you can, get, you can get John Stewart and Hollywood people involved. But PFAS is really an exposure here at military bases in the United States during normal operations, do you feel that um, it just may not ever get the momentum because it doesn't have that kind of uh, appeal? You know, I don't feel that way. And I guess part of it is um, because we're about to have a bit of an earthquake on the issue of PFAS coming to us in the next, certainly in the next year. And that's because the EPA is right now as we speak reviewing their own scientific standards for what's safe in, you know, what PFAS levels are safe and not safe for people in drinking water and in soil. And I think for those of us who've been focused on this issue, we have been arguing for a long time through multiple administrations that the standard the EPA was using, 70 parts per billion, was just not really based on science. That actually that's too much exposure that will make you sick and you need a lower, you know, a lower number to be safe. Michigan went ahead because, I, as I said, we're real leaders on this issue because of our drinking water um, concerns. And we went ahead and changed the Michigan standard to seven parts per billion. Real different 
right? And the EPA has signaled that they, in the next year, are going to change uh, the, the PFAS standards for safety based on science. This is a big deal. And I said, you know, to the military directly, to the Pentagon, you guys have a bit of an earthquake coming when the EPA changes that standard, both, you know, what you're allowed to seep into the ground at bases, but also the exposure for your for the you know active duty and National Guard. You're going to have to change up what you do here. And it's coming. It's a coming. And I think that as that standard changes, it's going to put a lot more focus from the surrounding communities, from our veterans on this issue. Now, Always helps to have a Hollywood star, and uh, I'm going to nominate, without his permission, um, Mark Ruffalo, who is the star of a movie on PFAS called Dark Waters. Um, it was a civilian use. 3M was using it for years and making communities in West Virginia very, very sick. Um, but he's someone who's come to Michigan on Flint water issues, lead issues. So I'm hereby nominating him to become the new in-your-face Hollywood star of the PFAS veteran exposure. I think th I think that's a great suggestion, Congresswoman. I'm uh, I'm going to be promoting that uh, uh, one way or another. Um, great. Because unfortunately, we are in a world of uh, media and and attention, and there's so much stuff going on. You kind of have to build up a a public support. And, and sometimes it has to be done this way, right? Because it, it helps those in Congress say, well, okay, let's, you know, we've got 100 good priorities. Let's move number 99 up to number three. And, and that's right. just reality of the real world. As you said, you have to live in the real world, don't you? And yeah, the real world includes, you know, at the end of the day, um, the most difficult issue that we had to surmount getting the PACT Act passed was money. Right? Absolutely. It, it turns out that, you know, if you're going to cover another 3.5 million veterans nationwide who were exposed to burn pits and have, you know, ailments due to their burn pit exposure, that costs a lot of money. And there were a lot of people in Congress who didn't want to spend that money. Right. They're more fiscally conservative. They want to spend on something else. There's a million reasons why people didn't want to spend that money. And I think. Um, what the public pressure does, especially from veteran groups, by the way, um, is really say to those people, like, look, if you have the money to send them to war, you have the money to care for them when they come back from A war. Amen. And, Amen. You know, that that um, so that public exposure helps. And I have to say um, the other thing on the burn pits um, that really matter, just like Agent Orange, is you have um advocacy groups that are based that are made up of veterans and their spouses who are fighting and can tell their personal stories on this issue that's what we had on the burn pit legislation and it wasn't just john stewart i mean it was old school right they came to congress these veterans and they hunted us down in the hallways they had their cell phone cameras out they were trying to get people to sign on to that legislation and if they they would stand at the bottom of the capitol steps when we would finish a vote you would see them there including John Stewart, by the way, but you just, um, it, there's nothing more powerful than someone who has served and their spouse showing up and telling their personal story and saying, look, we know you like to smile and take pictures with veterans, put them on your desk, have them in your office. This is a real world issue and we need you to address it and we're not going to let you, you know, skirt away uh, without supporting it. So that was that was what made the difference in the end. Well, and the reason we're talking to the Congresswoman is because 
she's going to be candid and honest with you and tell you what matters and how to how to make change and that's i think for the veteran community sometimes we get frustrated we say oh nothing ever changes they never listen to us they just take smiling photos but your uh, congresswoman slotkin's giving you the playbook if pfas exposure is important to you how to get it done i do want to raise one more question um that maybe you can myth bust on and and we all you know we all know that money's uh, kind of at the root of a lot of these decisions because you have to be able to pay for it and there i've talked to veterans who've said well the pact act was an incredible act it's the most important act in you know 30 years but it probably means we'll never get anywhere on pfas because all the capital meaning goodwill as well as funds have been sucked up and there's no way Congress will go forward with PFAS because they did what they did on on the PACT Act. Is that just being too darn cynical? Yeah, I, yes. I, I, think, I think that that is underestimating the power of veterans who become activists on a whole host of issues, but certainly on this issue. And while it took a lot of work, it is true, and we had some real shenanigans at the end with senators voting yes and then switching their vote and voting no and you know you had some shenanigans we had to push through so it did it did um it did require a lot of capital that is fair um but you should see the number of activist groups who come knocking on our doors every single week um no one has more social capital than veterans on both sides of the aisle so i i um, I just don't believe that that's um, a fair statement to say we're done. You know, we're done for another generation. Truth be told, it took us about 18 months to get the PACT Act passed from like conceiving of it to getting it through committee to getting it through the House and Senate to all the activism and everything. 18 months is, you know, not uh, by by Washington standards, no, it's not it's quick. horrible, right? <laughs> and it was because the Agent Orange generation Agent Orange generation went through almost thirty years, right? So I just think that um, that's underestimating the power of veterans organizing, of bipartisan groups of veterans, you know, not making it a political thing where it's one party over the other appealing to everybody, and having advocates who can speak to everyone in Congress. That to me is a secret sauce that veterans have that a lot of other groups do not have. And, and I think in the PFAS area in particular, it's not just a veteran issue. Burn pits was just a veteran issue. PFAS is affecting all these uh, decommissioned military bases uh, through the BRAC process who are now looking and going, oh, we have contaminated groundwater with PFAS. We've never looked before. Yeah, I, I think I read somewhere there's 700 bases DODs identified as having PFAS contamination. It's not just a veteran issue, although veteran issue may be unique in terms of exposure to firefighting foam and more direct health care issues and compensation issues. But as you say, the, 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 the earthquake is coming when, when EPA changes these rules. I know the folks up in Wordsmith, uh, Skoda, have uh-huh. felt... Um, that the Air Force was just slow walking these issues, but I, I suspect this that will all change if the um, uh, EPA makes its changes. Yeah, that's why it's such an earthquake, right? I mean, the federal government, uh, the military, you know, obviously is a big part of that. We'll say, 
we can't go, we can't make decisions, one-off decisions. We've got all these locations all over the country. When the EPA gives us a different standard, then we'll act and we'll clean up to that standard, right? I mean, they're pretty blunt about it. And so a community advocating, a community doing its best to speak out and speak to the, you know, big Air Force, big Army, anyone, um, will only have limited success when the EPA isn't doing its job. And so now when the EPA looks like it's going to actually change the standard, that's where you're going to have DOD taking a very different tone with those surrounding communities. That's where, you know, they're, they're going to come in and say, okay, this is the new federal standard. President, you know, commander in chief has signed it into law. Now we need to clean up to that level. And I think it's really going to change. And I, I do think that veterans plus, you know, surrounding communities are really going to have, um, you know, uh, can be allies in this, as you say, um, and take that fight uh, to Congress in a, in a comprehensive way. It just takes organization. And I think that's, that is what, um, you know, I'd love to see more of is folks who, and you know, who's, who's the natural leaders on this are the federal firefighters, right? The, the folks who Absolutely, um, yeah. work for the federal government and work with PFAS foam every single day, so I, I spent a lot of time with them because if they're kind of the hook. And if you can get them covered, if you can get the government to recognize their conditions, then it starts to, to fan out from there to veterans who handled this material. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're getting a lot of great insight on this issue and how it works and works with Congress with uh, Congresswoman Alyssa Slotkin of Michigan's 8th Congressional District. Uh, you've been extremely candid, and, and that's why we are so glad that you'd spend a little time with Veterans Radio today talking about uh, not only the PACT Act, which is now a success, but the future, which might be PFAS, and you've given us some hope. Uh, I think there were a lot of folks who said this will never happen, but uh, I think you've given us a lot, lot of hope, and it's really important work that you're doing in Congress uh, on this issue. Well, it's a, it's a passion project for me, and it, you know, it lives in uh, the Venn diagram between my national security experience and my Michigan experience, and if there are groups who want to come see me, come get organized, come talk about it, uh, the door is open to anybody. Well, that's a great place to uh, bring this to conclusion because that's an open offer and one people should take up on. Although I am going to start promoting Mark Ruffalo as the face of uh, PFAS. Uh, and when they say, <laughs> who brought, the, whose idea is that? You're getting blamed yeah. for it, uh, Congresswoman. Uh, we, we really appreciate the time that you've given to Veterans Radio today to shed some light on this really important issue. Thanks for what you're doing and thanks for having me. And I want to thank everybody for listening to Veterans Radio today. I am Jim Fawson. It's been a pleasure to be your host. I'm a veterans disability lawyer at Legal Help for Veterans, and you can reach us at 800-693-4800 or legalhelpforveterans.com on the web. You can follow Veterans Radio on Facebook and listen to its podcasts and Internet radio shows by going to veteransradio.net. And until next time, you are dismissed. If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans' Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at 1-800-693-4800. They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans' Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. We again want to thank our national sponsors, the National Veterans Business Development Council, nvbdc.org, VA Ann Arbor Health Care System, 
the Vietnam Veterans of America, Charles S. Kettles Chapter, Ann Arbor, Michigan, VFW Graf O'Hara Post 423 in Ann Arbor, and the American Legion Press Corn Post 46, also in Ann Arbor. We appreciate all your support. You can go to veteransradio.net, click on the sponsor level, and continue to support keeping Veterans Radio on the air. And until next time, you are dismissed.